welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. My regular co-host, Dr. Matthew Peter, is away this week, but I'm thrilled to be able to welcome to the podcast QIC's General Manager of Capital Solutions, Katrina King. Hi, Katrina. Hey, Alison. Thanks so much for having me today. And Katrina, I wanted to speak to you about some of the work that you've been doing in the retail real estate space recently. It looks really interesting. and It's been a sector that's been in the news a little bit lately, and obviously that brings it to the front of mind for some people. So, Before we dive into the analysis, what's your current take on the state of valuations? Look, as we look at the broader real estate index, I think it's probably sensible to pull it apart and and think about how the different sectors have done. And it's been underperforming, but for a confluence of factors. And if you look at retail in particular, which is where we've been doing the bulk of the work, it's had a peak to trough drawdown now of around 20%. It started in September 2018, and I would say that was a lot of systematic factors, really, in terms of the headwinds for retail, but then hit COVID and 15% of a number of the 20% was actually through that COVID period, obviously a really tough time for bricks and mortar retail. And that just started to move as COVID um, induced a lot of inflationary pressure around the world into rate rises from central banks, which again became its own headwind and has seen the last part of of that downturn, but also perhaps starting to see a little bit lower downturn, more stabilisation, and and that's what the research has been looking for. What will those green shoots be? If you compare that to the other sectors, such as prime industrial, that's been up 60% over that same period. Val certainly accelerated there through COVID, but have really probably just treaded water this year. Interestingly, when you look at office, and I know we all see a lot of headlines about how stressed that office sector is and how post-COVID it is being rethought and reinvented. Vales haven't been down as low as you might anticipate, really only 10% since their peak in September 21. Yeah, so a, a range of di- sorry, a range of different tones there, I guess, through real estate. Yeah, look, it's it's really interesting. A, a very, very overlay of I guess what's happening in the markets. And as you know, the, the high interest rates are going to create a headwind in general for unlisted assets and, and obviously retail real estate is part of that. But I guess the exception really being with a industrial just in the change in uh, in logistics and and I guess lifestyle choices in some respects but I'm really interested in retail because it has had a couple of different headwinds you know COVID was you know really at least in our lifetime something that we haven't experienced before and believe you've done some work in relation to indicators of recovery like what what are you looking for what can we learn from the past And, and this is what intrigued me it's always really hard to pick turning points in markets right and what we wanted to do is just get a sense of what factors have been at play in historical changing points and inflection points in the market and is there anything that we may be able to learn from that around the current environment so the data that we could find sort of thankfully went back to just pre-GFC. From looking at that, we saw three key downturns historically in retail real estate. The first one, obviously, the GFC, office down 14%, retail only down 5% there in Australia, and industrials down 21% at that point. Then we really had to wait until COVID 
until there was another significant drawdown in retail. We'd sort of spoken about that starting early, a little bit in 2018, but really COVID was when it took hold. Then as COVID started to wind down as a factor, as I said, sort of that never fully recovered in in real estate pricing. And we just moved into that inflationary concern, rates rising concern, which had another headwind for retail there. As we looked at those, we grafted against everything we could possibly think of that could be a driver of that or correlated to that or causation with that and found we'd stilled it down to three main indicators that were significant for all of those. Firstly, the relationship between listed and unlisted real estate tended to find, as you would expect, that the listed market moved more quickly. Probably a quarter or two quarters is what you tend to see in terms of a good uptick in the listed space until you see it start to move through to the unlisted space. Secondly was confidence in interest rate conditions. You don't actually need a change in direction, just a flattering, a flattening, sorry, or a lowering of volatility of expectations as to where the next interest rate move is going. And then finally, certainty of credit and sort of at reasonable valuations, I should add to that. And so things like where are REIT spreads trading? I love the Fed Loan Officer Survey as a sort of an indication of credit markets in in the US. And there is an Australian equivalent called finance is harder to get. And that has been quite useful historically as well. But Alison, on, on those sort of three factors, I'd just be interested in your own thoughts on those, on what you're seeing in the market and how you would assess them right now. Yeah, thanks, Katrina. I think you know, listed markets always sort of get the benefit of the fact that, you know, there's this sort of overlay that perhaps, you know, listed markets must be correct. But listed markets really represent, I guess, the clearing price on any given day. And that's influenced by all sorts of things, you know, supply and demand, sentiment, um, a range of different issues. It's not necessarily what represents the underlying true value of an asset. So I agree with you. It's absolutely an indicator. I agree with you. It's something that we should be looking at. But I think we could, you know, I tend to look at it and go listed markets as well as unlisted markets can, you know, potentially trade away from what you think the, tr- the fair fundamental value is on a look-through basis from time to time. And our regular listeners will hear me talking about the fact that I think overarchingly, potentially, listed markets are perhaps a little overvalued at the moment and investors are being a little bit too positive. So the unlisted market really does look at those things, as you talked about, things like recent transactional values, you know, discount rates, yields, you know, all those sorts of things. And so probably is a truer and fairer look through. But the challenge we've got at the moment, which I might ask you about later, is just that transactional evidence. There is a little, it seems a little thin, so that is pretty bit tricky. As it pertains to confidence and interest rates, look, it's a tricky one. We've just had our newly incoming Reserve Bank Governor Michelle Bullock do a a speech recently and she was certainly a little bit more hawkish than I think Mm, the market was expecting. And, uh, you know, it really is about the fact that well, I think she just wants to keep the door open. We have not necessarily got that inflation genie back in the bottle. And I think that's the same in the in the States, for what it's worth. The commentary there is is quite similar. So while markets are really anticipating, by and large, that, that the RBA is done and that the Fed is done, the door is still a little bit open. So I think there is uncertainty there to some degree, and that does create a little bit of hesitation. And then that really flows on to that next question about cost and availability of debt. 
um, you know, undoubtedly debt is more expensive than it was. And it's also potentially more difficult to get. But, you know, for quality assets, I think debt is there. But, you know, banks are very cautious about making sure that the credit quality they're lending to is, is in place. So I think for quality assets, it's it's a, it's a reasonable story, but it's a bit challenging for, for potentially assets that are a little bit more um, of lower, lower quality in mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. So I am going to ask you now about that transactions. You know, what, what's the markets telling us about the valuations of real estate? Yeah, we don't see a lot of transactions. Really a dar of depth in that market. And I think that's, you know, for the reasons that you've just been explaining, it's hard for people while interest rates are still moving to get a sense of where valuations should be. What we are seeing is some transactions being done in slightly more regional or with sort of more idiosyncratic stories to them. But this is all tied up together and it's when we start to see transactions happen, bid-ask spreads are obviously narrowing and that's because people have more certainty that they can agree on as to where their valuations interest rate are going to be. I will note, though, that from the historical sort of study that we've done, it can move quickly once that sort of condition of interest rate stabilisation starts to take hold in the market's mind, particularly for the better opportunities. So one thing I think to be doing now is we're starting to see some of these potential turning points or starting to see some of these green shoots whilst not flourishing the story behind them coming to for it's time to get ready and it's time to get ready for those good assets yeah i think that makes a lot of sense there is a bit of pent-up demand it has been pretty quiet across the market so i think it could correct quite quickly potentially as well Alison, there's one more thing I'd like to ask before we wrap up the Tech 10 today. Look, it's always good to get your take on the market each week. I really enjoy that part of the podcast. What have you been seeing for this week as to what the most interesting moves have been? Thanks, Katrina, and thank you for the compliment. Look, it's been a pretty quiet week. Uh, we're in Thanksgiving in, in the US, and, and that has meant that a lot of people are on holidays, but it is also associated with a lack of data releases, and often the market is quite data-dependent. And I think particularly at this point, to the cycle where we've got the Fed and the RBA saying they're very data dependent. You know, we've now got the market being very data dependent as well. So no big moves recently, but that's not a bad thing. It's coming off the back of some very busy weeks with some significant moves in the bond yields up and then down um, and the consequent flow through to equity markets. So just taking a bit of a breather, I think, which is something that we all want to do towards the end of the year. Katrina, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. And thanks also to our listeners for taking 10. 